Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Wild Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? Oh. Here. Don't know where I'm going to go with that, right? Just open up with an O. Feel very Shakespearean, right? Remember when they had the O's? I remember. <laughs> We're getting right into this, folks. Oh, there's the cricket. Oh no! If you keep hearing, if you hear the cricket, we just can't get rid of this guy. We he's have a cricket very close by tonight. I'm trying to figure out where he is, and he just—it sounds like we're at a campfire. Be really quiet for one second. I don't know if you can hear that or not. It's not it. just tonight. He's been around the last. I don't know, three or four days. Maybe our third kid should be named Cricket. It's kind of cute. <laughs> anyway, the O. So Catherine and I, I don't know if you all know this, Catherine and I met in grad school many moons ago for theater. It makes me think of um, when our voice teacher, Nancy, Nancy Hofeck, would make us do like the Shakespeare class and we the O's. We would just really have to get into those, oh. dig into the O's. And I think you actually really had like a thing with the O's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty good moaner. Very that, good moaner. That might Complainer. Be yeah. yeah. So everybody, there's a little history for us and our, our relationship. As we kick off episode 59 of The Long Finish, thanks to everybody for joining us for the ride. Got a great episode in store because it's probably, if not my favorite, one of the top three favorite varietals for me. I'm going to go ahead and let Catherine introduce what we're drinking tonight. Because this one is awesome. Catherine, what are we going with? It is awesome. So this is the Nikolai Hof Hefebzug. That's the name of the wine. Gruner Veltliner from the Wachau in Austria. Vintage 2019. Certified biodynamic Gruner Veltliner. Delicious. I love Gruner. And I just want to say, quick aside back to our grad school days. Nancy Hofett, great teacher. Never taught you pronunciations. Why would she teach that? Like, how could you teach that unless you knew the language? I just... How how could you do it? Pronounce the... Whatever that, that little word is at the bottom again. Grunerveltliner. No, obviously. But the one below, the, the one starts with an H. Hefebzug. <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, my God. Nobody takes me seriously as a psalm because I'm... Oh, they should Excuse love you more. Excuse me. Uh, we're going to name our kid Cricket or Hafubzug. Hafubzug, get in here. Eat your spaghetti. We're a bit loopy. It's been a long day. We're taping this on Sunday night. Rare good night of sleep for us. Kids were in bed. I slept past six. It's past six o'clock, so we're very excited. Catherine got the good luck charm for that one. Yes, it was my day. Yeah, it was her day to get up, and she got to sleep past 6 o'clock. Anyway, we have lots of news. We're we're moving in the right direction towards a new home. Oh, yeah, getting close. Fingers crossed. Getting we'll close. be able to tell more about that very soon. All reports are that the kid number three is healthy, right? Yeah, he's dancing up a storm. He's got hiccups sometimes. He's rolling around. And what's the latest at Esther's? We, we've opened back up. Open uh, it, up. I will say this. Very windy. 
Oh my gosh, last week. Yeah. And oh, last night too. The team really was brave. I mean, well, let me just say this customers too. I mean, customers, staff, everyone working in LA right now. I mean, across the country, I know it's cold, but for the purposes of outdoor dining conversation here in LA, there's a golf tournament going on this weekend. The PGA Tour is holding their golf event in LA at Riviera. And yesterday, they postponed the tournament during the third round because it was too windy. Now, it was perfect out, like 74, but there were gusts up to 30 miles per hour. It was crazy. And people are trying to eat outside right now well, or work outside. The That's The team crazy. is like sweeping up broken glass because glasses are blowing, you know, off the tables. I mean, gosh, as if there isn't enough going on. Yeah, so we're making it work, but yes, some crazy gusts out there. A lot of... um you know, it's just make it work. It's a make it work situation. Didn't Tim Gunn, make it work. We're going to make it work tonight with this amazing bottle of wine. I'm so excited to drink this wine. I love Gruner. This wine could not be more classic. I'm even eschewing the whole theme. I just want to talk about Gruner and this wine. Can we do that? Yeah. Maybe the theme is just like drinking a legend or drinking a classic. Well, it really is. But also, I mean, we have to talk for just a second about Austria. We talked about Austria the last time in episode four. Four, and that was with a skin contact wine, so completely, completely different. different. But we have never been to Austria, and it's really top of my list. Oh, gosh, I would love to go to Vienna. I'd love to go to the wine regions. The really, the most of the wine regions are on the eastern side of the country, and the three like big ones for white wine, and Austria's super famous for white wine, although there are like over 30 or 40 different grape varieties that grow in Austria. It's super famous for Gruner Veltliner. And then probably second to that is Riesling. But Gruner Veltliner is like, you know, it's their claim to fame. And the big regions for Gruner are Wachau, Kremstal, and Kamptal. And Wachau is probably the most blue chip because it so it follows the Danube River which is the second longest river in Europe and it's just like an hour from Vienna hour drive 90 miles from the Slovakian border and it's gorgeous imagine like terraced vineyards all on these gentle slopes on both sides of the river historical little perfect towns castles churches And the summers are really warm and beautiful. I know people who have taken like bike tours of the Wachau just raved about it. Amazing places to eat, really warm and friendly people. In a way, it sounds like kind of like uh, reminded me of what the Loire is, you know, like it's such a great place to visit whether you like wine or not. You know, you go with your family or something. So I think this should be on our very, very top of our list. I'm happy to do that. And uh, Gruner. Gruner and Riesling are the big ones here. And Gruner is, obviously, it's really similar to Riesling, but it's most similar probably to Sauvignon Blanc. Think like that citrusy and that grassiness. But Gruner is really known for the white pepper and sort of like green herbal notes sometimes like arugula, and then it will have that stone fruit character. But the range of Gruner is what's so fun. You can get Gruner that's not expensive in a liter bottle that's just, you know, chill and chug on a Tuesday night. But then you can get really fantastic Gruner aged in oak, 
that is ageable, like in your cellar, that can rival white burgundy. Really, really fantastic stuff. And we have some of those blue chip producers at Esther's. The price tag is pretty high, you know, but that's what's so fun about the grape variety. It's really versatile. It's interesting because I admittedly am not the most avid drinker of Sauvignon Blanc, but I love Gruner. So, I mean, they're different. I'm just sort of putting them in the world. Gotcha. And sometimes it's a very natural thing for customers. Oh, we don't have Sauvignon Blanc. We have a Gruner. Oh, we don't have a Gruner. We have a Sauvignon Blanc. The drinkers of one tend to like the other. Okay, but Nikolai Hoff. This producer, legendary. They are, some people say they're the oldest in Austria. The truth is they are one of the oldest estates in Austria, but their history goes back 2,000 years, more, almost 2,000 years to the Roman Empire. And this place was chosen by the Roman Empire because it was considered a Celtic holy site before 800 B.C., And that the foundations of the house that they're in now existed as early as 63 BC. I mean, this is crazy. So there was the wine that produced there during the time of the Celts. Then the Germanic monks took it over. And then the first evidence of a vineyard was in 470 AD. That is so rad. Monks, they always have some involvement, you know. And then in the late 1800s, the Saz family took over and they carried on the tradition and they're still the family that runs the estate today. Chemicals have never been used, never ever. And then in the 1970s, the family got curious and started working with biodynamic practices. They got certified in 1998, but because they've been practicing biodynamics since the 60s, 70s, they're probably one of the oldest wineries practicing biodynamics in Europe. And they're still like poster child for biodynamics. They have a totally biodiverse farm with herbs and fruits and flowers and bees. Just totally, you know, full of life. Winemaking is natural too. Native yeast fermentations. They use a lot of old Austrian oak. This particular wine we're tasting tonight is kind of one of their entry level wines. So it's all in stainless steel. Really zippy. The state is in the eastern part of the Wachau. Wachau is pretty warm in the summers, but there's it's really steady. There's a long growing season. The eastern side is the warmer side. And they've got 22 hectares there. This is all from the Loess soils. L-O-E-S-S. Pretty famous soil in the Wachau, which is kind of like sand or windblown sand. So what do you think? Let's taste it. I can't wait. The first thing, gosh, I already wanted to put my nose in there. (laughs) So getting ahead of myself. Now, now, let's look at it. Pretty straw color with hints of gold, reflecting lots of light, looks clean, looks clear, does not look unfiltered in any way. I swirl my glass. I see the legs coming down now. Mm, Kind of medium. Mm. Pretty slow. This is 12% alcohol. So not huge, but not light. would say medium. Let's put our nose in there. Now, I know we're always supposed to talk about fruit first. That's what we do. But it is impossible not to take your first impression of that green herbaceousness, right? Okay, but back to fruit. You get white peach, pear, 
green apple, yellow apple, be yellow cherry even. And then those herbs, be like green beans, arugula, white pepper. That's the signature Grunerveld leader thing. And this is, has it in spades. Just fresh herbs, kind of chevrol and greenness. There's a spicy note too. Not necessarily jalapeno. No, it's not jalapeno. Maybe like coriander. It's a little smoky as well. We could go on about this, but let's taste it. I get that underripe peach, underripe pear, lots of that minerality. Wouldn't talk about that too much on the nose. There was more of that herbaceousness, but the palate is more like this dried rocks, a little salty. But there's a really beautiful, creamy texture at the beginning. And then that gives away to the medium plus acid. It's medium body, dry. There's real evolution on the palate. I think this is stunning. And I did swallow that sip. <laughs> You're almost there with this kid. It was just a sip, but it was <laughs> so good. I agree. This wine is fantastic. And one thing I want to ask you about before we go into the questions I always ask is the idea of drinking entry-level wines. This wine is pretty affordable for drinking a classic. So what are your thoughts on someone who wants to get into classics but not break the bank for them? Do you consider drinking like entry-level, basically drinking that estate's wine? A hundred percent. And I don't know. I'm I'm sure I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I think that is such a great way to get to know different producers and their styles. You're getting to know who they are and how they make wine. You can say you've tasted their wine, and then you know if you want to invest in the higher level wines, in the wines you want to put in your cellar. I would always suggest buying entry-level wines from any top region, Burgundy, Bordeaux, Champagne, really anywhere. If you like the style of that producer, Barolo, then you're going to like the stuff that's worth it to hold on to. This wine may be slightly more advanced than weeknight wine, but but you could have it on a weeknight wine. You could have it in a weeknight wine, but I would say it absolutely holds up to Saturday night. Yeah, it's special. More Sunday for us. So thoughts on food pairings when it comes to not only this wine specifically, but also Gruner. This is a such, such a versatile wine, but it is really great for vegetables. I mean, think about those things we, we talked about on the nose, all that herbaceousness and greenness. It's great for salads, for spring dishes, for dishes with lots of herbs in them. That could be fish with tons of dill. It could be an arugula salad with green beans and goat cheese. It's sometimes I think this Gruner Veltliner even works with like eggs with fresh herbs on toast and eggs are really hard to pair. I think this is good. Asparagus, but it's also great with some spicy foods. Mexican food that has like a lot of cilantro. This is fabulous. Food from Casilla or a Southeast Asian bistro or uh, Thai food. This is great too because it goes with the spiciness. It has that freshness that you want that's kind of a relief from the spiciness. It's really versatile. This particular bottle of wine is especially delicious, but I will say back when I was going to restaurants pre-pandemic, if I was getting a wine by the glass, I would almost always look for a Gruner. I felt like Gruner is just universally pleasing to me. And so in the ways that Sauvignon Blanc is pleasing to most other people, I almost always look for Gruner. So. Well, it's also kind of a safe bet. Like, 
Oh, it's like the wedding wine that you yeah, talked about like previously. Yeah, like a bad Gruner is never going to be as bad as a bad Chardonnay. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, even just the cheapest Gruner is still palatable. It's a good go-to, like in a bar or something, you know? Well, in that spirit, if people are looking for wines that could have a nice baseline, how can people go find Gruners or this wine or et cetera at their local wine store or at Esther's? I mean, any wine store's got to have Gruner. And just, gotta have Gruner. Yes, and, and, and you want to look at the styles and the different prices and know the places they're from. Is it from the Wachau? Is it from the Kremstal? Is it from the Kamtal? Is it from a different part of Austria? Well, I'm glad you asked that. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. Because there are any generic differences between those three. Maybe that's a subject for another episode. Yeah. Great. It's a subject for an episode, so stay tuned for that. A hundred percent. Yeah, we'll get we could get deep into it. Let's do it. That's little that's a little detail. But you can spend, you know, twenty bucks or you can spend two hundred bucks. Case in point, last night you and I tasted some wines that were all gruners and the range of the price was pretty amazing. Absolutely. So I saw that firsthand. And you may not like different styles. You may like it only in stainless steel or you may like it when it has more oak. But the point is to try different styles and compare and just see for yourself the grape variety. Where would you say gruners are coming in on the value side of things? Whereas, for instance, Pinot is almost, I don't want to say it's overpriced or overvalued, but it's just always in demand. So they can justify the prices that they're selling the wines. It's always in demand. Where's Gruner? It's expensive to grow. Pinot Noir is difficult. Gruner is the cheap Gruner. You know, it. like I said, it can be definitely can be less than 20 bucks, the cheap Gruner. And you can even get organic for like for that price probably. So it's 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 a good value. I'm leading the witness here because I am a big proponent of Gruner. Yeah. And I want everyone to know but that this can wine it is check a full every box. Uh, yeah, it checks every box. If you're anyone out there who is like maybe not a white wine drinker for whatever reason, I would steer them towards Gruner. Like get into Gruner. Everyone should be getting into Gruner. Catherine has her own sort of goals for 2021. Mine is get into Gruner. Affordable, delicious I don't know what else you need. So I was excited about this episode. I can't wait to finish the rest of this wine. All right, now let's get into what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first. I alluded to it earlier. We talked about the golf tournaments here in L.A. Every year it's, well, as long as I can remember, has been played at Riviera. We live not far away. We can see the blimp from our apartment. I usually go. I went last year. It's the last live sporting event I went to before the pandemic. This year, I'm, I was very excited because the winner was Max Homa, who is a local boy done good. He's from Valencia, California. I love his story. If you have a chance to read up on him, he's a guy who was successful in college, then had a dry spell in the pros, really struggled for a long time, and is very open about his struggling and his trying to find his footing as a pro won a few years ago, and then won for the second time today at his favorite course in the world, a course he grew up going to at events with his mom and dad. He's very open about his emotions. He was emotional during his uh, his acceptance speech. You know, when he took the trophy, he's been very open about his journey on podcasts, and I attribute that to the fact that his dad is an acting coach. I can't think of that many professional athletes who are the, the progeny of acting coaches. It's remarkable. <laughs> so I think that's really cool, really inspiring just to see someone achieve their dreams 
after going through these kinds of struggles, and he's very open about it. And I, I learned from that. And he talked about today, whenever he was going through a tough stretch of holes or whatever, a tough shot, his wife reminded him to think of two things. One, quickly forgive yourself, was what she said. And two, he wanted to think of three things that he was grateful for before he would take a swing, which was his wife, his dog, and I think his caddy. And he went out and won. So that's pretty exciting. Check out Max Homa. He's an amazing follow on Twitter and Instagram, too. So that's what I'm inspired by this week, Catherine. Wow, that's awesome. That's cool. Mine is a practical new podcast that I've found. Oh, no. Called The Art of Decluttering by (laughs) Amy Revel and Kirsty Ferrugia. They're both in Australia. They're professional organizers. And as you know, we are moving. And so... I have had on my list to do for some time some decluttering before we move, but I've just been so putting it off and sort of overwhelmed by the idea. Found this podcast, absolutely loving it, 20 to 30 minute episodes, and they all have a different topic. So, for example, kids' art I was listening to the other night while doing the dishes. Or organizing your kids' clothing. So helpful. Getting ways to get the kids involved. So the last two weekends I have gotten the kids involved in our decluttering. And it's made it so much easier and so much more fun. Anyway, I I think these are super fun little episodes and a great way to just motivate yourself to start one tiny little project. It's been awesome for me. What do they say about kids' art? Because I ask, because when I went home last time to see my parents, they handed me a bunch of my own art from when I was a kid. Should I get rid of that? Should I keep that? Well, well, that's up to you, but they were- No, you want to throw it away. They were giving, they were saying, okay, do you want to save your two-year-old's art? If your parents give you- your art, your scribbles from when you were two, does it really mean something to you? Or are you going to be like, thank you, and then feel guilty, but really just want to throw it away? Then do your kid a favor and throw it away, you know? They were promoting allowing your children to curate themselves. They have a place for display, and then they have maybe one folder where they keep the things that are most important to them. And they go through that because, you know, at eight, the same things that are important to you might not be the same as 18 and let those go. And then when you get to be our age and your parents say, here's your folder, maybe you have 10 things in it that you did and that's meaningful to you. Not some stacks of boxes of art that means nothing. I think that's great. And I saw you do that firsthand by bringing in our son or four-year-old to say, what, do you, what books do you want to keep? What toys do you want to keep? And I think that makes a lot of sense. I I, my hoarder tendencies, you know them. We all know them out there. I, I'm going to keep everything. Well, but also it doesn't mean as much if you keep everything. If you think of yourself as a curator and keeping the things that are most meaningful, it makes you more connected to those things and makes them more valuable to you rather than just a box of something that you don't really want to go through but feel guilty about. Well, one thing that I want to collect more of is wine. And we are going to be All right. ha- yeah, that's fine. having more access to our wine fridge when we move into this new place. So maybe an episode to do before we go uh, away uh, on hiatus is talking about wine collection. I think that'd be a fun topic for us to discuss. Yeah. So let's keep that in the... Um uh, you know, on the stove. Let's keep it lukewarm, and we'll hopefully we'll revisit that in the coming weeks. But that's it. That's it for episode 59 of The Long Finish. Episode 59 is in the books. We're going to have a few more episodes before we move. 
before this baby comes out. So stay tuned for that. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Weil Coker on Instagram and Facebook. And you can find The Long Finish at The Long Finish on Instagram and Facebook. You can find The Long Finish on Twitter at TLFpod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. And thanks again to everyone for listening to the show. If you have an opportunity to rate, review, or subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, it would really mean a lot to us. That could be your new baby gift for us. Doing a quick review and a rating. Get us to 100. That'd be awesome. So we'll see you again next week. All new episode next week. Thanks again for listening. Go out have a great week. Be happy. Be safe. Practice social distancing. Wear masks. Get those vaccines. And happy drinking. Ciao.